2: Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co host, Andrew Mertig. It's another great Friday. We're excited to be here what's up andrew it is
3: good to be back kyle another week another win another fantastic performance by the offense A yawn wake me up when the team faces
2: some adversity like really come mm. on this isn't I even interesting you were say wake me up when september ends which would have been very- Woo!
3: <laughs> no it, it's serious i mean like things are going awesome but What's really important this week is this is episode 800 of the Packet 8 podcast. Like, obviously, the team's awesome, whatever. Like, we're, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about them. But I remember you and I doing episode number two, and that seems like it was basically yesterday. So the fact that we have thousands of listeners from around the globe, it's just absolutely mind-numbing. Like, people actually listen to us, you and I rant about our favorite football team it it has been an amazing journey so far and i really just can't even express my gratitude to all of the listeners for tuning in
2: yeah absolutely incredible episode 800 and as andrew said thank you for sticking with us listening to our sometimes coherent rants about the packers and sharing in our passion uh for green bay football but andrew did say, wake him up when this team faces some adversity. Well, Andrew, we have some adversity to talk about, uh, uh, I think, we, today. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do have to <laughs> talk about this. This is uh, not some fun news, but it is our duty to tell the good people, the Packer fans, what's happening. So, um, we started getting nervous about midday on Thursday when it was reported that Alan Lazard was not at Packer's Packers practice. And then we heard that he was dealing with a core muscle injury and that he would speak with doctors to look at his options. And then just about an hour ago, this is Thursday night, Adam Schefter tweeted that Alan Lazard has already undergone core muscle surgery and is out indefinitely. Obviously, this bit of that adversity that andrew mentioned you hate to see this for lazard who was on the show just a couple months ago and was really excited about a big second year and we were seeing that come to be on the field he had a monster game last week against the saints and now no more it's going to be some time before we get to see him back out there on the football field
3: uh, yeah, and obviously this is bad news for the football team. And and coming off his breakout performance, it's just it just adds even more to that. And I I'm absolutely gutted for Allen as a person. Like we only talked to him for maybe 30 minutes, and he made an impression on me as a really really phenomenal young man. And to see all your work pay off in such a big way on Sunday, and then now to be out for an extended period of time, that's that's just super tough. But If there's anyone who can work his way back to being in the same position in the future, I think number 13 can absolutely be that person.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Just wishing the best and a speedy recovery. But speaking of recoveries, I've seen anywhere um, from a range of recovery for this from three to eight weeks to three to 12 weeks. So it's all dependent. We don't know a lot of details about the injury. Obviously, this has all happened really, really quickly. And Andrew and I are not doctors, if any of you were confused. Um, But Andrew, how are you feeling about this Packers receiving group um, headed into this week? and the weeks ahead without Alan Lazard.
3: Yeah, this this really hurts, right? I mean, if, if you want to talk about Alan Lazard as your wide receiver two or your wide receiver three, it doesn't really matter what you label him as. This is a big blow to that depth chart. And I do think, you know, I, I know you're going to make fun of me for this, but I think Equinemius St. Brown getting healthy during the bye week and being ready as a real hidden weapon versus Tampa coming out of the bye is the most obvious move. But I do, I I think to try to replace some of that production, we'll see more two tight end sets, uh, probably less rotation amongst the wide receivers in general. And one thing to remember, Alan Lazar was a phenomenal run blocker for a wide receiver. They they would bring him down to the line of scrimmage in short running situations as a sort of extra tight end. So there's just another element that will be missed in addition to his pass catching.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't understate the, hole that this is going to leave. There's no really quick plug and play solution here. The Packers are going to have to tweak their offense a little bit and do things a little bit differently. Um, I'll be curious to see if they do use Tyler Urban a little bit more in that pass catching wide receiver role that was advertised throughout training camp uh, to get a little bit creative there. We know Reggie Bagleton uh, showed some nice things in camp. He's available there. Um, someone tweeted that Jake Kumaro is available to be signed off of the Buffalo Bills practice squad. I'm dying. The face and the eye roll that Mr. Andrew Mertig just made was pretty fantastic. I'm sorry for those of you listening couldn't see that. But Jake Kumaro is available, someone the Packers could bring back, who is familiar with the offense and has the trust of Aaron Rodgers. Not in love with that option. But, you know, worst comes to worst, that exists. Uh, And then I saw someone tweeted, Jordy Nelson is actually going to be in town um, for his induction, right, Uh, this weekend. So it's been planned, the return of Jordy Nelson to the Green Bay Packers, obviously. And then, obviously, that's a joke. Um, Not joking. Someone else mentioned Randall Cobb is with the Houston Texans. And that... You know, it seems Bill O'Brien just likes to give players away, so why not reunion uh, with, uh, with Mr. Aaron Rodgers there? That could be a natural one as well. Obviously, those are far from being likely scenarios, um, but, you know, we we got to talk about everything here. But uh, just like the Packers, we do have to turn our attention to this week and to the Atlanta Falcons uh, today, we're back for another episode of Key Matchups and X-Factors to help you get ready for the Packers Monday Night Football game with those Atlanta Falcons. And there are some really important matchups to look at in this one here, Andrew. Yeah, so I have a question for you, Kyle.
3: Okay. I'm I'm going to butcher some names today, but I'm going to try. <sighs> so, here here are some people. Here we, we go. We have Foisade Khan Hmm. Deadrin Sanat, and hmm. Sherrod Nisman. Are these Atlanta Falcons Defenders
2: or Marvel comic book characters? Oh, all right. Um, I didn't hear Star-Lord in there, so I'm going to go with Atlanta Falcons Defenders just because that's what today's episode's about. <laughs> yes, and those those three players, who
3: I mispronounced all of their names are actually the three highest graded Atlanta Falcon defenders, according to Pro Football Focus. So they do only have a combined 92 snaps on the season, but they have really the only high-level grades on their entire defense. So when people say the Falcons' defense has been bad so far, they mean it. And they are correct. So for a team that has Grady Jarrett and Deion Jones, this defense has been capital B-A-D bad. Mm-hmm. My, so my key matchup for this game is the Packers running game against the Falcons front seven. And yes, I found a way to fit almost the entire offense and defense into my key. <laughs> Good for me. Always cheating in this game. Um, I have one more question for you. Okay. Dante Fowler. Charles Harris, Tack McKinley, and Deion Jones. Is there anything that those guys have in common?
2: They are all Atlanta Falcons football players.
3: That is also true. Not what I was thinking, but you are correct. They're all really athletic Atlanta Falcons oh, uh, defenders. Okay. But. They are all also very undersized for their position. This is a team that if you can control Grady Jarrett in the middle, you should be able to have a ton of success running the ball. And I want to see some hat-on-hat blocking with fullbacks and tight ends. Just making lanes for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to have big days, I think it's going to be crucial for the Packers to get a lead so they can really lean on the Falcons' defense. First of all, wearing them out the way that they did against the Vikings' defense in Week 1 is not only going to allow them to expand on the lead, but then keeping the ball out of the hands of Matt Ryan and that really dangerous offense. So that's what I like. I like the Packers' offensive line to just wear this team out, and I like the the Packers' skill players' those tight ends, those H backs, even, even the bigger wide receivers um, to, to really like lean on that defense and, and create some big time se- separation in the second half of this one.
2: All right. Very nice. I, uh, I like that. We got a little bit of uh, guardians of the galaxy there in with uh, this defense for the Atlanta Falcons learning their roster and not some Marvel characters there. Andrew, nice work. Um, I was going to do my best. Today, to not talk about Packers wide receivers for a couple of reasons. First, because Andrew and I spent a good amount of time at the front end of this show discussing that position, but also because this will be three weeks in a row that I focus on the Packers wide receivers versus opposing cornerbacks. Uh, but here I go again, because especially in this Atlanta matchup, it has to be discussed. It, it just has to be talked about. The Falcons' highest graded corner is former Michigan State Spartan and Cincinnati Bengal Darquez Denard. But Denard was placed on IR this week with a hamstring injury, so he's out for at least the next three games. That's obviously a huge blow to this Atlanta Secondary, Uh, A.J. Terrell is already on the COVID IR after testing positive last week. Looking at the league's COVID procedures, it would appear that he would miss this week's game as well. Regardless of who is available, the Falcons have two of the top ten corners in the league in yards per target. That is not a good statistic. Isaiah Oliver allows the 6th most yards per target, and A.J. Terrell, who probably doesn't play this Monday um, with the COVID designation, is 10th in yards per target. So this is already a leaky secondary. They might be without two of their starters this week on top of that. Kendall Sheffield is scheduled to be back with this team. He's likely to be their corner two behind Isaiah Oliver. But Sheffield has been hurt to start the season, so Monday night's first snap will be his first snap of the season. So uh, we know now Devontae Adams is not a sure thing to play this game Monday night. Coach Lafleur said today that the Week 5 upcoming bye will have no impact on whether or not Devontae plays this week week. Uh, but man, I, I think it's interesting to go ahead and let Adams rest, give him a total of three weeks off with next week's bye included and make sure that he's healthy and ready to go for that week six game. But now that Lazard is out, I'm kind of curious if we'll have any more lingering impact on that decision uh, and how Devonte is feeling come Monday. So we'll see how all that works out. But regardless of who the Packers receivers are this coming Monday night. It would be tough if it was MVS on top of that list. If, he's your, if your wide receiver one is MVS, that's a disappointing group. But the good news is that they are playing a really, really vulnerable and increasingly thin group of Atlanta Falcons cornerbacks in this matchup, which could help ease some of the pain of this wide receiver group this week.
3: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you make a good point and, and in theory it makes a lot of sense to want to rest Adams and make sure that he can get to a hundred percent before he has to play against Tampa in what would be their week six matchup. On the other hand, you know, the the all gas, no break mentality and the fact that with the NFL rule changes this year, only the number you need in each conference is gonna get a bye week. I think you really do have to manage each game um as as so incredibly valuable but certainly they won't put Adams out there if there's any risk for uh re-injury but um that that's going to be a really interesting development as as mm-hmm. we go through practice the next few days yeah, so um we're going to switch over to the the key matchup on defense and i'm going to go with uh the packers defense line so basically i'm focusing on kenny clark dean lowry kingsley Kingsley Kiki, against the Falcons' interior offensive line of Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom, and James Carpenter. Uh, Alex Mack Mack is aging, but still playing at a pretty high level. Lindstrom and Carpenter are both former high draft selections, whose play can probably be described as mediocre. Uh, That might even be a little generous right now. Uh, A healthy Kenny Clark could go a long way towards disrupting the middle of the field. The Falcons haven't really had a lot of success in running the ball, but, you know, Todd Gurley and Brian Hill are good enough to hurt you if you don't stay disciplined. But my primary focus on the interior is during the pass game. We saw a breakout performance from Kingsley Kiki last week, and I think the combination of Kiki, Clark, and then a roaming Zadarius Smith could give them fits. And if you can get pressure in the face of Matt Ryan, you can go a long ways towards slowing down all of those fantastic
2: weapons that he has on the outside. It sounds like we are both going to be playing really close attention to how this Atlanta offense and their offensive line specifically plays this week. Uh, you just focus on those interior guys and the center and the guards, but I'm going to be watching the Packers pass rush off the edge and how they match up with the Falcons tackles. It's been well documented that the Packers offensive line is really playing out of their minds right now. They lead the league in pass block win rate. And last week's opponent, opponent the saints ranked second behind the Packers there in pass block win rate. So Sedarius. Sidarius, Preston, Gary, Garvin, they had a tough matchup last week. But the Falcons' offensive line and their tackles specifically are not the Saints' tackles. Jake Matthews is a good starting tackle in the league. But the other snaps that have taken place here at tackle have been split between Caleb McGarry and Matt Ganot due to an MCL injury for McGarry. But neither one has been good on the right side for the Falcons. McGarry did practice. So he's expected back with the team, but I think the Packers should find some really nice success rushing the pack, uh, rushing the passer against the Falcons' right side of their offensive line, and that will go a really long way in disrupting the Atlanta passing game, which can obviously be really, really dangerous if you don't limit the time that Matt Ryan has to throw. So I'm expecting, and as a fan, I'm hoping that the Packers edge rushers can really disrupt this Falcons air attack on Monday night with lots of pressure in Matt Ryan's face.
3: I know we're previewing this matchup, right? Like the, the here and now, but there is always this fascinating element of roster building and you and I talk (laughs) about this all the time. And one of the things that I'm noticing as a pattern here. Um, sort of two different things. Number one, not hitting on your picks. so you you look at Atlanta and they have really tried to bolster their offensive line and make sure to keep Matt Ryan. Um, uh, you know, off the ground and, yeah. and as clean as possible, the same way the Saints did with Drew Brees. And so they went out and they spent some money on James Carpenter. Uh, they re-signed Jake Matthews and they invested first round picks in not only Chris Lindstrom, but then also, I, I think Caleb McGarry was a first round pick. If he wasn't, he was a second, but um, high picks in offensive linemen that just haven't panned out. Lindstrom has not lived up. Mm -hmm. You you take a guard in the first round of the draft, he better be great. Yeah. And Lindstrom has not been. And McGarry really hasn't lived up to his hype at all. And so that's a a really interesting thing to take a look at when, when you're looking at pick investment. And then I also, you know, I was talking about those light defenders that the Falcons have. And they really looked to bring in guys through free agency and um, even a, a you know a trade in the, in the case of a guy like Charles Harris that are all r- very much focused on pass rush and the passing game and um, that's fine if you always have the lead but you know t- teams have have very much used that against them um, so it is interesting
2: just Random thought that came through my mind as, no, as we it, were talking about it. This. Absolutely super interesting, and you talk about like just the small tweaks to a to a roster, and I think it's like the NFL is so close like teams from one to the other, really good teams, and bottom-of-the-barrel teams are really – they're all talented. These are professional football teams, and they're only separated by a couple of pieces missing here and there, by and large. And so you replace some of those players. You know, like if you have a – if you have a um, – um, Elton Jenkins, there's his name. If you replace <laughs> one of these uh, not – succeeding guards for the Falcons with an Elton Jenkins. If you, if you have, you know, a really good starter at right tackle instead of a cable McGarry, who you've invested a high pick on, if that, if that works, if that pick pans out, this is a totally different team. And you're looking at a, an ability to protect Ryan from this Packers pass rush in a way that like the saints did last week, where I'm going into this game expecting that we're going to see a much more impactful pass rush. And that's going to completely tilt this in the Packers' favor, in my in my estimation. So you're right. Like I mean, it's it's small things, but it comes back to the offseason, our favorite time of the year. Um, just the little tweaks that can be made really, really do impact a roster.
3: It certainly makes you very appreciative of of Brian Gutekunst and his team putting together um, some pretty good draft classes so far, and and guys that are certainly making impacts, but um speaking of people making impacts the last thing that we're going to talk about today are x factors and so these are our super secret special players who who are going to make an impact and nobody's saw coming or you know sometimes in my case i cheat a little bit and pick somebody that's super obvious but i'm actually not going to do that today kyle i'm going to go back to swinging for the fences and hope my player is not deactivated on game day uh <laughs> like happened a few times last year but this is a little bit risky, but I'm I keep waiting for the week that they roll out a package for AJ Dillon. I, I talked about the limitations of the light, quick Falcons defense, and I really do think AJ has the ability to punish them. Here's a fun fact. AJ Dillon outweighs Deion Jones by twenty seven pounds. What? That's, what? that's not your that's not your uh, late eighties running back on oh, linebacker gosh. collision, but unless we're talking Christian Okoye, but I'm I'm guessing Dylan's limited snaps have been because Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams posed more of a threat in the passing game, and it allows you to keep the defense more off balance in play action situations because. I think you know right now at this point in his career, having A.J. Dillon in the game might be a little bit of a tip that it is a running play. But there's also room for play action when they have to commit eight in the box. And I think A.J. Dillon can be the extra addition to make this offense even scarier than it already was. So I might be a week pre- premature because they might just wait to unleash Dillon until after the bye week. But this would be a great time to get him some run against a defense that he should be able to expose.
2: So, I am with you on the AJ Dillon hype train. I'm excited to see him get some snaps, uh, just to, to see what he can do. I mean, he's obviously an incredibly talented player with a ton of physical ability, but as an Aaron Jones fantasy owner in three of my leagues, I am psyched <laughs> that I haven't gotten those touchdowns. What well, do I press to cut your mic right now? <laughs> I know uh, I know that those uh, touchdowns getting vultured at the goal line are coming, so I'm bracing for that because A.J. Dillon is built for that role. Um, but just before we started recording, I noticed that the Grady Jarrett— um, an injury popped up for Grady Jarrett. He didn't practice on Thursday. I don't know what's going on there, but with it being a Monday night game, any players dealing with an injury do have a little bit better chance to come back and play. But my goodness, if you can run AJ Dillon and his power through a line without Grady Jarrett, if by any chance that happened, my goodness, like it could absolutely be a great night for Packers running backs in general, but certainly a golden opportunity for Dylan to make his debut as Andrew is suggesting here. I have a really
3: quick question for you. Did you just say the Grady Jarrett? Like the Ohio
2: it. State? <laughs> I did say the Grady Jarrett. That's uh, great. I may have been giving him some emphasis, or I may have misread my note on my <laughs> cheat sheet here. <laughs> the, Grady the Grady Jarrett. The Grady Jarrett, yes. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Hopefully, he listens to the podcast and knows I gave him not much credit. It's pretty good stuff. Um, but my X Factor for this week is a whole position group, all right? I think the Packers linebacker group has the ability to be the X factor in this game. Um, That can be in a good way, or it could prove to be a big liability as well. Um, I don't necessarily think it has to be a liability. I think they'll be okay. Last week, the Packers lost Christian Kirksey to an injury, and that's obviously a big bummer. But Kirksey hadn't been playing his best football to start this season in fact pro football focus has graded Kirksey as their 68th linebacker after three weeks and has given him a painful run defense grade so losing Kirksey hurts in that he made the calls for the defense he's supposed to be a big part of their plan for 2020 on defense but the Packers other linebackers have actually played pretty well this year Chris Barnes has been an incredible surprise. Ty Summers did some really nice things when called upon last week. He's clearly a phenomenal athlete when you see him see him moving around on the field. And then Orrin Burks who's played only 16 snaps this season, he actually looked really fast and decisive last week as well in his limited action. So I have no idea what to make of the Packers linebackers, but I think they're the definition of an X factor because you don't really know what you're going to get. Um, If you ignore the minimum snap requirements, Chris Barnes is a top 10 linebacker for pro football focus. And while his overall grade isn't Quite as good. Ty Summers has earned an elite grade, a top five grade in the league for his run defense in his uh, roughly 40, 50 snaps that he's played. So buckle up and enjoy the ride this week because we have no idea what we're going to get from this linebacker group. Uh, It could be a rough ride or they could continue to impress. So I'm excited to see this and I'm picking the whole linebacker group for my X Factor this week.
3: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things that are just really interesting there. One is, you know, we know I, I I talked about Ty Summers as a seventh round pick last year, and just the crazy Ras score that he had coming out of the draft. And you know, if if a player with those those physical talents can figure it out even a little bit, he doesn't need to be the most instinctive guy in the world because when you have that skill set. If you can just be in the right place most of the time, you can make up a lot with just being like super big, strong, and fast. And you know he's an elite athlete in a league of elite athletes. And I I think you know that is something to really keep an eye out for because if he starts to figure things out, whole oh boy, watch out. Warren yeah. Burks looked really great as, as a specialist of sorts, and in that. You know, that role that used to be filled by Joe Thomas um, that I think the Packers have sorely missed a, a linebacker that you can just throw in on third downs or when your team has a two score lead in the fourth and just let him chase around those running backs. I really like him in that role. And then, you know, Chris Barnes just continues to impress just a super instinctive dude. And and I've I've really enjoyed watching those young linebackers. Yeah, they've made some mistakes and, and you know, some of those things. Those things might even be described as a little bit embarrassing, but if they grow, this this could go from a unit that is a liability to one that could be a real
2: strength down the road. So um, I really like what I've been seeing out of those guys. And we haven't talked about Kamal Martin at all, and I know, like, obviously he's scheduled to come back from injury. I can't remember exactly the turnaround, but that's going to be a post Uh, By week return for him. But I mean, this is someone that was getting all kinds of hype in training camp. And like we talked, you don't always expect Buzz um, for day three picks. And so the fact that he was getting that uh, spoke to the impact he was making. But same thing with Chris Barnes. We've been wrong before about players who come out and have these great starts and then they just kind of fizzle out and don't end up being the player that we thought that they were going to be. But it also takes a lot to ingest a defense and to get out on the field and to play fast, to play instinctive and to play as well as he had has and and not make the mistakes that especially you're looking for from a first year player. So like you said, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here. It's going to be interesting to see who kind of rises to the top here, but I think that it's kind of an exciting position group. So I think it'll be one to watch for the rest of the season and potentially for seasons to come as we continue to figure out uh, who is going to be uh, that linebacking group for the Packers, a really fun young group here.
3: One other thing that I wanted to talk about that, you know, we didn't really prep for, so I'm going to put you on the spot Uh, here. All right. So from from a, you know, not that we're trying to read into the Atlanta Falcons psychology here, but for a team that has blown just two incredibly big leads in the last two weeks, do you think the pressure of having that on their shoulders, knowing that they're a good enough team to build up big leads against pretty good NFL teams and then They've blown them. Do you think that pressure weighs on them and they come out and and play worse? Or do you think the motivating factor of Dan Quinn is probably on the hot seat at this point? Um, Do you think they get motivated to play really well for their coach the way that they did uh, down the stretch at the end of last year?
2: it's really hard to say like I mean like it's it's interesting because you don't know like is this a team that wants to play for their coach's job or do they feel like that ship has sailed and next year they're gonna have somebody new anyway and then, and then at that point it's probably hard to get traction and feel like yes yeah, so let's put our best foot forward and you know do those kinds of things you know if you feel like if if you feel like his job is already basically gone and and you're just kind of riding out the rest of the season but this is such a talented team that they probably are kind of they've got to be upset that they could easily be two and one um if not better at this point in the season and i think that that is why this could be kind of a trap game for the packers this is an incredibly talented team and the defense has massive holes their secondary is horrible they've done a terrible job replacing talent on the back end but my goodness, this offense is is way more talented than their record is giving them credit for. And one reason that I think it's going to be important um, for the Packers to be able to put up points in this game. And obviously we don't know if we're going to have Devontae and what weapons we're going to have available. But, man, this is, this is a game that has me a little nervous because it seems like one that so many fans and even pundits have given to the Packers already.
1: Yeah,
3: and, and I think, you know, from my perspective, this is a game that's scary because the Falcons can put up points and and that's going to give you a puncher chance in any game much less than i'm worried about the packers potentially overlooking an opponent and i, mm-hmm. I think you know the the use of i, I don't really care if people want to say this is a trap game i don't think the packers are the type of team that's just gonna gloss over a poor opponent in right. fact matt lafleur has so far, really not lost any games that you had expected them to win easily. Maybe you could talk Chargers. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I feel like the Eagles last year were a very good team, so that one wasn't even like that bad of a loss. So um, I, I feel like he's handled most mm-hmm. of those teams, and the team has been ready to go for those. Mm-hmm. I do think you know the the Packers offense has been so good. That a little bit of regression is almost anticipated that they maybe can't keep up the pace of averaging 40 points a game, but we will see this defense very vulnerable. So I think a lot of it will have to do with how the game starts. Do the Falcons start out hot and the Packers are playing catch up and then they don't have Lazard. Potentially don't have Devontae Adams, and that becomes a really big challenge for them. Or do the Packers get out to a lead, and then you know they're able to control the clock and and really ground and pound mm-hmm.
2: uh, and wear out that Falcons defense. So it'll yeah. be really interesting. And we talked about the pass rush already in this game. You talked about it from the interior, if Kenny Clark is able to play, then um, we I talked a little bit about the edge rushers if they do get out to that lead at the beginning of the game and the Packers edge rushers and you know Kenny Clark can just really focus on getting pressure that changes this game dramatically than, you know, if they have to like lay back and if they're, if they're able to give the ball to Todd Gurley and those kinds of things for a a lot longer into the game. So uh, we'll hope that that's the case and they can get out to a big lead in this one and kind of, kind of be able to control it from the start.
3: But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Packet A Podcast number 800. Uh, Hopefully we'll be around for another 800 and more after that. But, um, you can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packity Podcast. Please subscribe to rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday throughout the season and even in the offseason, and we'll be back next week, and we are going to be talking bye week. Uh, and maybe, yeah. just maybe, we'll have a super special guest. You'll yeah. Just have to find out. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember. <laughs> Go! Oh.